The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. Hallelujah. Amen. Okay, so this morning we have someone very, 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 very special in our midst. He doesn't even need an introduction because he's one of God's favorite own. So let's give a God's favorite house welcome to Dr. Okay Onuzo. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I'm glad to be back here again and to share fellowship with you and be a part of what God is doing here. Amen. Amen. Father, breathe upon us. May your life be infused into our lives. That we may be transformed into the image of your son. That we may walk in the glory of your presence. All the days of our lives. To the end that your kingdom, oh God, may prosper in our lives. And prosper everywhere we go. To the glory of your most holy name. For in Jesus most precious name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. Thank you. We begin our series of meditations on spiritual warfare. And our scripture is Psalm number 8. Psalm Number eight. O Lord, our Lord, your majestic, this is the New Living Translation. O Lord, our Lord, your majestic name fills the earth. Your glory is higher than the heavens. You have taught children and infants to tell of your strength silencing your enemies and all who oppose you. When I look at the night sky and see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars you set in place, what are people that you should think about them? Mere mortals that you should care for them. Yet you made them only a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. You gave them charge of everything you made, putting all things under their authority. The flocks and the herds and all the wild animals, the birds in the sky, the fish in the sea, and everything that swims the ocean currents. Verse 9. O Lord, 
our Lord. Your majestic name fills the earth. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Warfare is about offense and defense. Okay? And both are vitally important for survival. And the fundamental thing that every Christian needs to know is that everything that you see in the natural, in the physical, has its origins where? In yes. Yes. And so, when you and I fight spiritual warfare, we know that if we win there, we win here. If we lose there, we lose here. And that's why it is vitally important that everyone, no matter how young or old, no matter how young in faith or old in faith, everyone needs to understand how to war in the spirit so that you can be part of what God is doing in your life in a dynamic way so that you and I will not be spectators to the great battles of life. Many people are spectators. They're just watching history. We were never called to watch history. We were called to what? Make history. Make things happen. Don't watch them happen. Make them happen. And our Lord Jesus Christ testified to this invisible battle in Luke chapter 11 verse 21. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own palace, his goods are what? In peace. But when a stronger than he comes upon him and overcomes him, he takes from him all his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoil. This is what we call a reverse revelation because Jesus made this statement because they said he was casting out devils by Beelzebub. And Jesus was saying that is not possible. That the only way you can cast out devils, Satan cannot cast out Satan. The only way you can cast out Satan is if you first what? Bind the strong man. But when the strong man is guarding his house, now flip that over. It says the same thing about you and I. If you and I are spiritually strong, if our defenses are strong, then we don't have to worry about the devil. We don't have to worry about the devil. If you go to certain congregations, they live what I call a devil-denominated life. Everything is about what the devil is doing. But you see, when you understand spiritual warfare, you will know that it's not about what the devil is doing. It's about what who is doing. Yes. And the simplest way to understand that is that if you come into this room, you see, this room is, is, uh, it has all these curtains. So they keep out the light. 
So if you walked into this room and it was completely dark, what are you going to do? Huh? Turn on the light? Yes. But you see, according to some people, what you need to do is try and understand darkness, Abby. Yes, try and understand this darkness. What, are, what, what is darkness? What are they doing in the darkness? How does darkness work? And while you're busy doing that, somebody is turning on the word. Yes. And what does darkness do? Yes. Yes. And so, the, the challenge in the understanding of spiritual warfare is really centered in understanding how to turn on the light. Everywhere you go, turn on the light. Everywhere you go, turn on the light. I see you and I, you and I uh, uh, are, uh, are witnesses to the tragedy of the Christian impact in Nigeria. You know that. That there are at least 10 million of us that profess to be Christian. And out of that 10 million, up over 6 million, over 6 million will claim to be born again. But yet, the impact of that 6 million is not being... Uh, and no, it's not being felt at all. Because, you see, when they walk into a place that is in darkness, they don't turn on the light. They don't turn on the light. Instead, they sit with them in... Uh, yes, that's the problem. That is the problem. And so, we need to understand how to turn on the light everywhere. Because, you see, it's a battle. It's a battle, you know, all kinds of pressures will come on you and I not to turn on that light because Jesus said when you turn on the light everything that is evil is what? exposed it's exposed it's exposed and, and we have not been called in Christ to come and be blessed and sit down and enjoy a great fellowship with God. That's only 25% of our calling. Our calling is to go into the world and do what? Turn on the light. Turn on the light. And that is a fight. It is a fight. But the reason why we study the defensive part of spiritual warfare is because we have been quite quite adequately equipped for the war. And so, if a soldier does not understand his weapons, then he will be vulnerable. He will be much vulnerable. And so, we begin with verse 5 of Psalm 8. You know, it is an unbelievable uh, statement that the early translators of the King James Version, they rendered that word angels, for you have made him a little lower than uh, angels. But the original actually said, you have made him a little lower than Elohim. And Elohim is who? God. Yes, you have made the man a little lower than yourself. Okay? And then that's the first thing. Then the second thing is you crowned him with what? 
glory and honor. You may read that and run along without saying to yourself, what does he what mean? What does he mean? That you crown the man with glory and honor. And as you and I are studying this, you need to say to yourself, this scripture is talking about who? Absolutely. Absolutely. That God in the creation of man crowned him with glory and honor. Okay. So, so there is something about the first statement. A little lower than God. There is something that we call creational hierarchy. You know, there is um, among certain species of animals a perking order. You know what a perking order is? Okay. Everybody knows this. Uh, absolutely. A perking order. Everybody knows this level. So now, the, in the pecking order of creation, what the Bible is saying is that it is God. Okay? The Godhead. Then, who is next? It's man. And the, after man comes the angels. Yes. You see? In creational hierarchy, it is God it is man, it is angels. He said, you made him a little lower than yourself. And now you can understand why the apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 6, 4, he said, don't you know that we shall judge? Yes, we shall judge angels. Because in creation our hierarchy, we are higher than them. Why are we higher than them? They are spirit beings. Okay, they are not created to have uh, uh, exercise volition. You know what that means? They are not created to make decisions. They are created to do the will of God. Do you know where that is very important for you and I to know? It is in the end when we die and we appear before God. Jesus said the reapers will be angels. Those who are going to separate the wheat from the chaff will be what? Do you know why? Do you know why? Because angels obey God. They don't, they cannot deviate from anything God has said. If the, if the reapers were men, I'm sure you know what will happen. You see, if you are coming, and I know you very well, and I'm at the gate with uh, another man, say, nah. You see that person that is coming. Hey, he cannot go to hell. He cannot go. So what you are going to do is, when he's coming, do what? Yes, go did you that and close your eyes. Okay? Once you close your eyes, I will. When your own friend is coming, I too will. Uh... Jesus said the reapers are angels. Okay? The reapers are angels. And so they cannot, they cannot deviate. That's why the moment Lucifer said, I will be like the most high God. Out. He was out. You see? That's why the scripture said, you wear the anointed cherub until iniquity was discovered 
in you. Yes. And then out you are. Once, once an angel thinks, he doesn't do, thinks differently from the will of God. He's out of heaven. He's out of heaven. And that's why God, Jesus said the reapers will be angels. So everything will be done according to what God wants. But now, that also gives us an insight. It gives us an insight. What insight does it give us? It gives us the insight that the angels cannot really, the devils cannot really attack you. You know? Because that's a pekine. Yes. Unless you step down. Yes, you have to step down. Because the man was created in the image of God. Yes. You know, that is the, this is the subtlety of the Garden of Eden, of what happened in the Garden of Eden. And you need to understand it because all these things are very important in spiritual warfare. Okay? So the, so the devil has to, had to make Adam and Eve to come down. Okay? But so long as they were in the glory and honor of their creation, they had mastery over everything. But the moment they stepped down and disobeyed God, then that glory and honor was what? Withdrawn. And they became ordinary. And because they have stepped down, the difference between man and angels, even though we are higher in creational hierarchy, but God did not give us intrinsic power. I'll explain to you what that means. God gave the angels power. And, and you know, in, in the Greek, power is dynamis. Okay? Authority is exousia. So that's a distinction. So God gave the angels dynamis. In other words, an angel can exercise power on the earth. But no man can exercise spiritual power on earth unless connected to a spirit being. So now you see, you can begin to understand witches and wizards. So you see, they are seeking power from fallen angels. Oh yes. And then if you say a one witch is stronger than another, what you are saying is that the hierarchy, that stronger witch is contacting is higher than uh, that of see see the angels are in hierarchies how do we know that in daniel chapter 10 it's so simply stated that the angel of god was bringing a message to daniel and the prince of persia stopped him now so many revelations in spiritual warfare come to you and i from there because because the prince of Persia could stop an angel of God. Yes. But do you know that the angel of God could not dislodge the prince of Persia? He couldn't. Because they are in hierarchies. And they are the same. It's just their loyalty and allegiance that is different. The Bible says he had to wait for Archangel Michael to come over. See, we don't have time to go into all those scriptures. You need to understand that. So what does that say to you and I? No devil or angel can increase their power. Even the angel of God cannot increase his power. So the angel of God had to wait for 
Archangel Michael to come. And when Prince of Persia saw Archangel Michael, what did he do? He moved away. He moved away. And so no angel can increase their power. So you cannot now say that the devil is getting stronger. Oh, oh, that means you are ignorant. So, now, it looks as if the devil is getting tr- stronger now. So, ah, then you are ignorant. You see, immediately the demons will know that you are ignorant. And that's why it's so important. Jesus said, you will know the truth. And the truth will what? Immediately you know the truth, you are free. Okay? And so, and so in, in spiritual warfare... You begin to realize that it's a matter of status to start with. Where exactly are you located? Where exactly? He said he crowned us with glory and honor. And that glory and honor disappeared in Genesis chapter 3 at the fall of man. And that's why we we can understand uh, 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 how the glory disappears. How does it disappear? You go to 1 Corinthians 15, 55. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in what? Death. And the law gives sin its power. You know how the law gives sin its power? A man... That's why they say in law, where there is no law, there is no crime. So, if you ask lawyers, they'll tell you that the greatest, one of the greatest evidences of injustice is to pass a retroactive law. You know? You know what a retroactive law is? You ate a mala two weeks ago. Eh? It was not a crime. Somebody comes today and said, anybody who eats a mala, will go to jail for three months. And then he backdates it to last year. Yes. That's why retroactive laws are injustice. Where there is no law, there is no crime. And so the Bible says the strength of sin is in the law because it's the law that said fornication, adultery, lies are what? Sins. And the moment you know that, if you do it, you are guilty. And so the Bible says that sin caused the glory to disappear because Adam and his wife died spiritually. Sin caused the glory to disappear. And that's why if you are going to fight the devil, you should know better. You and I should know better than to continue to live in what? Oh, yes. You make yourself vulnerable. Because the moment you continue to live in sin, you will become vulnerable. And that's why those who, are, those who are interested in spiritual warfare, determined to bring down the power and the glory of God in their world and in their generation, they must know how to resist what? Temptation. Oh, yes. That's what the devil used to kill Adam and Eve. Temptation. You see? And the moment they fell, their world fell apart. Okay? So it's important to understand how to show up your defenses as you go into spiritual warfare. You're not afraid because you understand creational hierarchy. And that the only time the enemy can really attack you, you will have to step down. 
from the glory. Now, and, and it's for that reason that we, we need, everybody needs to understand the, the, the nature of our salvation. Okay? But before I go to the nature of our salvation, we need to understand power because the Bible says in Psalm 62, 11, God spoke once. Twice I heard it. That power belongs to who? Now, please understand that. Because in spiritual warfare, we are talking about the power game. I call it the power game. Okay? Who has, who has the superior power? You know, I preached some time ago uh, on television, many years ago, you know, that Christianity is power versus I said, try your own, try your own. Then we got a call in our church. It was a young lady. She said, when you said that, my father went and put on his regalia and came and sat in front of the television and was doing like this. You know, it's a recorded program. Yes, so, so anyway, so when he was doing that, I didn't even know, I, I wouldn't have, there's no way I would know he was doing that. But you see, but you see, it doesn't matter. Because you see, once you are covered, you are what? You are covered. There's nothing anybody can do. There is nothing anybody can do. And that's why defensive warfare is very important. And it's a revelation of our salvation. A revelation of our salvation. Okay? God has all power. And God controls all power. Including the power that devils exercise. Do you know that? You see, there are people thinking that God has left the devils to be roaming around uh, by themselves. Yes, they are roaming around, all right. Because the Bible says your enemy, the devil... Like a roaring lion is seeking whom to devour. But do you know why he's like a roaring lion? It's so that it's not like a snake. If it's like a snake, it can it can be here, you won't know. It's like a rolling lion. So he's making noise when he's uh so you won't say that you do know the devil is coming. No, he's making noise. He's making noise. To warn you, I'm coming, oh, I'm coming, oh. So if he catches you, you have yourself to... Oh, yes. You have yourself to blame. Okay? Okay. So, so, so the Bible says God has absolute power. Now, there's something you need to know about that. Because, you see, there are many people who think that God has absolute power because he is God. He's sovereign. He has absolute power. But there is a foundation to his power. And Jesus revealed it to us. And the reason why we need to know that is because we ourselves are created in the image of... uh, Yes, two things contribute to his absolute power. Number one is his absolute purity. 1 John 1, 5. This is the message that we heard from Jesus. That God is light. And in him... That's what we call inner purity. In him 
is no what? Darkness at all. First John 1 5. In him is no darkness at all. And so, and so when the devil is putting anger, bitterness, jealousy inside you, and you're enjoying it, you know, then you know that, that they're destroying your what? Inner purity. And the reason why they want to destroy your inner purity is so that they can undermine your power. Oh, yes, because power is, is received by us. And, 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 and it's received, as we will see, through the Holy Spirit. And, and, and so the next thing that contributes to divine absolute power is righteousness. You see, inner purity is inside. Righteousness is outside. Righteousness, that's why the Bible says in Psalm 145, verse 17, God is righteous in how? All his ways. You know what that means? Nobody can say that God was unfair to him. God is righteous in all his ways. If you see a situation where you think God may have been unfair to someone, what you should know is that that your conclusion is a product of ignorance. Because if you had all the information, you will know that God is righteous in all his ways. Okay? And so, those two attributes of God, you know, his holiness and his righteousness, they're not the same. You see, his absolute inner purity. And that's why the scripture said in Matthew chapter 5 verse 8, Blessed are the pure in heart. For they shall what? Yes, they shall see God. You know, it's not with, you see, you cannot see God with the physical eye. You see, it's, it's deep inside. So, what the Bible says, if you are pure in heart, your spiritual eyes will be what? Yes, you will begin to see God. Yes. So, you see, it's important to understand the foundation the foundation of divine absolute power to, so that you will know that it is the same foundation to which you and I are called. But now, how did God uh, 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 help us to achieve that? Okay? Okay? The, the, the way he helped us to achieve that is salvation. And that's why, unless you understand salvation, you will not really be strong as a Christian. You will not be strong. You must understand salvation. You see, a man can come to, today, kneel here, give their life to Christ. See, they are saved. But they need to understand it. You see? Otherwise, you won't be able to walk in it. If you don't understand it, you will not be able to walk in it. You may be coming to church, but you, you cannot walk in your salvation. That's why the Bible says, walk out. Walk out. It's like you have received a package. Let that package express. Walk out your salvation. Now, the first thing we need to understand about our salvation is that we were not saved because God is merciful. Have you heard people say that? Say the reason why we are saved is that God is merciful. No, that's not why we were saved. You see, it's the love of God that made the arrangement. And what is the arrangement? God has two natures. It is his love 
and it is his justice. Two of them are absolute, inviolable. Okay? So now, the justice of God demands that the wages of sin is what? Is death. Is death. So how did God solve the problem with his love and compassion? That's why he sent his son, Jesus Christ. And what did Jesus really do? Now, understand it because every time you hear the word judicial pardon, you should understand what it means in grace. Everybody, you need to understand what judicial pardon is. Judicial pardon is this. A man is owing 10,000 naira. He's, in, he's going to go to jail. The, the, the judge says, well, since you cannot pay, go to jail for six months. And then another person steps up. Here is 10,000 naira. Do what? Set him free. That's judicial pardon. The man is guilty. But then the penalty is put on another. You see? God judges our sins and condemns us in our sin. But instead of putting the penalty on us, he puts the penalty on Jesus. If you do not understand that, you will not be able to stand in it. You will not be able to stand in it. I will show you. Come with me. Come with me. I'll show you a scripture so that you'll know why everybody needs to understand this. Come with me to Colossians chapter 1. Are you there? Okay, we we'll go to 19. For it pleased the Father, listen carefully, for it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Now verse 21, and you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death, that's the judicial pardon, to present you now, after he has transferred that penalty on Christ, now he presents me, how? Holy, number two, unblameable, okay? Sorry. Holy and blameless and above what? Reproach in his sight. I like the way King James puts it. To present you holy and unblameable. You know what that means? Unblameable. They cannot blame you. And then unreprovable. They cannot condemn you. They cannot condemn you. So you see, if you don't have a revelation of what judicial pardon bought for us, the devil will still be condemning you. And you see, when he condemns you, you won't be able to exercise your authority because you'll be feeling down. 
He said when he put that uh, 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 judgment on his son, then he presented us to himself. Okay, as what? Holy. Unblameable. Unreprovable. Where? In his sight. The way he's seeing us now. Now, you see, unless you understand this, you will not walk boldly. You'll always be feeling intimidated. And all kinds of the elemental spirits will be intimidating you. You know, one o'clock in the morning, a bird is making noise by your window. You take up the phone, Pastor. They have come, Pastor. Pastor, don't sleep, Pastor. They are crying. The, a witch is, 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 is singing by my window. Oh, yes. Whereas if you know, if you know who you are and you hear that uh, noise, you will simply say, if you make that noise again, if I hear that noise again, you will remain a bed forever. And it is because you understand who you are. He said, unblameable, unreprovable in his sight. I have a personal testimony. The first time we were taught exorcism by Pastor Elton as a student in the university. So I went to secondary school and I asked them to bring their charms and juju for destruction. Two boys ran to the dormitory and brought uh, two rings. You know, they taught us that we must uh, burn it, but I didn't have petrol to burn. So I just um, threw it away and I prayed for them, you know. Then when I got home to my room, uh, that hand started uh, paining me. So I was like, Lord, help me, oh. And then the devil will use me to be thinking it's everybody that will be throwing away. He thinks you just can be throwing away anyhow. <laughs> but you see, because I didn't know much, I was panicking. That's why you must have knowledge. Okay. A few months later, one professor called us to come that his wife has a lot of juju under the bed that we should come and help him destroy it. So we went there. All kinds of things, uh, tortoises, all kinds of um, uh, pot, pots. We brought all the pots out, pot petrol, and burnt them. When I got to my room in the university, it's like the whole demons in Ibado have congregated there. <laughs> Honestly. And they were making noise there. So I just knew that I said, you demons, if I hear film from any of you, I'm going to bed now. Let me hear film from any of you again. And that was the end. Yes. So you see, that's why you need to understand and have a revelation of your salvation. Salvation is not people coming to church. No. Salvation is understanding what Christ came down here to do. To restore the glory and the honor. Okay? And, and I want to show that to you. To restore the glory and the honor. So come with me to uh, John chapter 17. I'll, I'll show you that Jesus uh, um, came here 
to, to do something. You see, he didn't just come here to, to, to preach. No, 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 no. First of all, let's, let's look at verse 5. So you know there are two types of glory. Now, the glory that we are talking about in um, uh, um, um, Psalm 8, verse 5, is what we call now as the glory terrestrial. Okay, the glory that God gave to man. That's the glory terrestrial. But now look at um, verse 5 of John chapter 17. He said, and now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself. With the glory which I had with you when? Yes. This is not the one we are using here. You see, it is from that one that we got the little we are given, the man was given. But Jesus was talking here about what we call the glory celestial. Okay? He said, the glory that I had with you before the world was what? Was made. Okay? Now, now. So what happened then to the glory terrestrial? Okay, we go to verse 20. Okay? John 17, 20. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. Now look at verse 22. And the glory... Which you gave me, what have I done with it? Yes. So when Jesus was coming back into the world, so God gave him back the glory terrestrial. He gave him back. And then Jesus used that glory. You can see what he did when Jesus was here. That glory prevailed everywhere. Everywhere Jesus went, that glory prevailed. And now Jesus is leaving and he's saying, I'm going to now transfer that glory terrestrial to who? To the disciples, yes. I'm going to transfer it to them. Because I'm about to receive back the glory celestial. Yes. And that's why it's important for you and I to understand these things so that you can walk and talk with confidence. You know, knowing that the salvation that you received from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ restored in your life what Adam lost in the Garden of Eden. And then you can walk in it. But now here, here's the difference. You see, when Adam walked in that glory, it was part of his nature. But now, when you and I walk in it, it is by faith. That is the difference. You see? The just shall live by faith. Yes! And that's why, you see, the degree to which you exercise spiritual authority is measured by faith. But now, 
Here is what you need to understand about faith. Because sometimes when people hear faith, they're like, hmm, faith, well, faith. It's as if faith, you cannot define faith. Now, let me show you faith, the way the Bible says it, okay? The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, see, if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is your Lord, and shall believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be what? Yes, but now, watch the next statement, because that's where faith really relies. Say, for with the heart, a man believes unto what? Repentance. What does that mean? It is what you believe in your heart to be true. That positions you to receive it. You have to believe. Let's see, I'm telling you now about all these uh, uh, principles of our creation. If you believe it to be true, then you position yourself to walk in it. And then how do you walk in it? Then you start talking about it. I have it. I have it. Say, because with the heart, a man believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto what? Salvation. And that's how people, you can begin to walk in that revelation. You can begin to walk in it. You know, the revelation that shows us how God did wonders for us in Christ Jesus. Okay? And so it's very important that anyone that is determined in their lives... To walk the walk of, in Christ with power and authority. They have to stand on their salvation. That's why the Bible says, Therefore, if a man be in Christ, he is what? A new creation. It's not a new creature. You know, a new creature is different from a new creation. You know, if you used to make your hair long and then you go and cut it now, you look a new creature. <laughs> yes, you're a new creature because people who know you before, they might pass you. Yes. They say, no, it's a, it has short hair. I cannot be her. You know. So you've become a new creature. But a new creation, a new creation means the old creation has already disappeared. Yes, it's gone. Do you know that that's why I am one of those who don't believe in ancestral curses after salvation? I don't. Because, you see, if there was an ancestral curse, you know, before salvation, and then the man is saved, this person now is a new... Yes. So if that ancestral curse starts coming and comes to your door, you say, yes, who are you looking for? He said, I'm looking for one okereke. Hmm. He's already dead. <laughs> so de he's dead. So are you not okereke? He said, I am. He said, I'm looking for. No, this one you're looking for is a new. Yes. The one you're looking for is already dead. You see, it's important to understand what salvation has done to our defenses. 
so that you can, you can walk and stand in that defense. One night, many years ago, at one o'clock in the morning, a bat flew into our bedroom. And it was flying like this. I said, ah, what type of uh, wahala is this? So I started chasing it. And then the Spirit of God whispered to me, he said, don't chase it. So I went and just stood uh, by the door. Then after some time, I didn't see it. I didn't see it flying again. So I said, I'm sure this bat has gone and uh, hidden somewhere. So my, my nephew, my niece rather, came and we started moving uh, things, looking for this bat. We looked everywhere. We didn't find it. So the Spirit of God whispered to me. He said, you will be foolish to pay any attention to that bat. I didn't pray. I didn't pray. Because if I pray, I will be paying. Uh, uh, I didn't pray. Because you see, creational hierarchy. There is a law of the spirit. There is a law of the spirit. You see, if you keep calling a spiritual being, he will start following you. Yes. He will call you. He say, uh-huh. I'm the devil, I'm here. Shabia calling me. <laughs> you want to see me. Everywhere you go, you want to see me. You want to hear me. Say, okay, I'm here. I'm following you. But you see, if you keep calling the Holy Spirit, Jesus, God, then they'll be following you. And before I uh, bring this to a close, there is something else that uh, everybody needs to know in spiritual warfare that the greatest, the most powerful weapon of war is the divine presence. You know, many people, they don't understand spiritual warfare. Some people think that spiritual warfare is like physical warfare. They're not the same. The greatest weapon of spiritual warfare is the presence of God. Do you know why? Because by the law of creation, anywhere the creator is present, every creature must take a what? Oh, absolute, absolute. <laughs> but do you know this, the mystery of that? Only man can bring down the divine presence. Angels can't do it. That's why that angel in Daniel chapter 10, he could not send to heaven and say, I need more power, I need more power. The prince of Pasha is, is disturbing me here. He couldn't do that. Because no angel can call for more power. But God did not give us spiritual power because he wanted us to use his own. That, do you know, that's the revelation in the scripture in 1 John 5 that says, you have overcome them. Because what? Greater is he that is in you than what? He that is in the world. What does that mean? See, when witches, I told you, when they exercise power, they will be consulting spirits of various uh, hierarchies. But when you exercise your own power, 
It is by the power of the indwelling who? Holy Spirit. Now, what is the difference? The angels are creatures. The Holy Spirit is what? Creator. And there can be no conflict between creator and creature. There can be none. And that is by the law of creation. And that's why in the book of Job, we read the devil saying to God, you have put a hedge around Job. You know? And so, there is nothing we... No, nothing. Nothing we can do. But if you move the hedge for us, ah, then we'll show the man something. So now, two things come from that. Okay? One, everything happens by divine permission. And every limit placed by the, the Almighty, nobody can violate it. And so when they moved Job's children outside the hedge, moved his business outside the hedge, what happened to them? They were gone in a, in a jiffy. But everything that was inside the hedge, they couldn't touch. And so it's important to understand spiritual warfare because a lot of people think that spiritual warfare is about um, jumping up and down. I'm, I'm going, no, no, no. It is shoring up your defenses first. Making sure that you are sitting very well in your salvation. Making sure that the source of your strength is not violated. That's why Jesus said when a strong man guards his house, his house is what? Secure. I was telling a group of men in a marriage seminar that there is something called positional anointing. Have you heard about that before? This, you don't have to seek that anointing. You have it by virtue of the position you occupy. It's like, it's like, it's like they, make, they made you the uh, chief executive of a, a corporation. They don't have to give you special powers. You know, by virtue of the fact that you are chief executive, you have those, uh, yes, you have those powers. And if they remove you tomorrow, those powers will go. Oh, yes. If, if you are chief executive and then you retire, when you come tomorrow, the gate man may refuse to open the door. Yes, because they've removed you. So you see, but so, so long as you occupy that position, so men have what we call positional anointing because the Bible said, I give you to know that the head of the man is who? Christ. But the head of the woman is the man. And so, somebody cannot come to your house and say, eh, there are witches operating here. And you say, ah, really? Hey, whoa. I need to start fasting and uh, I, they know you're ignorant. Because by virtue of your position, any witch that will operate behind you, it has to deal with two. Uh-oh. Who will he have to deal with first? Of course, he has to deal with you. Yes, as the man. I hope some men are not saying, ah, I think my wife should come and... Uh, because my wife is the one that knows how to pray. You know, I, I, I cannot pray. No, that's why they, they, they put men there. 
so that you can stand up and say, ah, when a strong man guards his house, his house is there. Yes. Yes. By virtue of the position, they have put me as head of my house. Everybody is behind me. Everybody is behind me. Haven't you seen children when they are fighting? When they are fighting and the fight is strong, they run behind their... Oh, yes. And then they'll be doing like that. <laughs> From... <laughs> And so it's important then to know that what we need to stand strong is to make sure that we and God are working. Oh yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I want you to look at 2 Corinthians 5. Okay. Verses 14 and 15. Because everybody needs to walk in this. That's what you need. That's what you need to go to that office and say, this thing you're doing is wrong. They say, ah, we are going to go to Ijebu for you. He say, you can go. We are going to go to Okitipupa Waterside for you. He say, you can go. When you come back, you will be telling me what they told you. Eh, you will be telling me what they told you there. You know. The Bible says the love of Christ compels us. Because we judge that if one died for all, then all have what? Died. And he died for all that those who live will no longer live for themselves. But they will live for him who died for them and what? Rose again. So, you see, the way to make your calling and election sure is to live the life of Christ here. And that's why they made us very excited about our faith. When they introduced us to the power of God and how it works. You see, the moment you are, you are you see, power is intoxicating. The moment you exercise spiritual authority and heaven endorses you, you're, 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 you're so excited. You're so excited. The moment you give a word and, and heaven endorses you, you're so excited. So now, when the Holy Spirit says, Say sorry to him. Sorry. Why am I saying sorry to him? Because I, I, I can't afford to lose that power. Because I know I, ha- I know I have enemies. They're just waiting. Those enemies are just waiting for God and I to quarrel. And then everything will uh, fall up. Yes. That is why the greatest challenge in defensive warfare is to ensure your salvation make your calling and election what sure make it sure so if there are things that you are doing that are undermining your spiritual authority stop for your own sake stop because if you continue after this then you can only have yourself to blame yes you can only have yourself to blame But so long as you stand on that confession, just so long as you stand and walk in that, heaven will endorse you. That's why Jesus went to Calvary. Okay, that's why he went. So that you can be unblameable, unreprovable, and holy before God. Bow your head and let us pray. God wants to empower every single believer so that when you go to that office, 
they will see a new you. They will see someone that is bold. Someone that is assertive. Someone that is determined to see God glorified. When you go to that business, it will be a different you. You will be strong. You will be bold. You will be courageous. Because you understand your salvation. And you are walking in the glory and honor of your redemption. The glory and the honor that Jesus. And every day you kneel down, you are praying. Oh Lord my God, I want to walk in the glory. I want to walk in the honor. I want to walk in the power of my redemption. Every day you are praying. I must walk in the glory, in the honor, in the power of my redemption. So that God will be glorified through my life. And as a result of that, you are sensitive to the Holy Spirit. So you don't do what God does not approve. Because you know that will make you vulnerable to the devil. We call it the instinct of self-preservation. Holiness is instinct of self-preservation. Because of warfare. Because we are in a warfare. Everyone is in a warfare. Once you give your life to Christ, you are in a warfare. And so this morning, if you have not given your life to Christ, please don't hesitate one moment. Don't hesitate one moment. Because your life is vulnerable. But when you give your life to Christ, then you will become unblameable, unreprovable before God. Perhaps you have also given your life to Christ. Perhaps something happened and you tripped up and you have not really come back fully because the devil is still holding you back. Oh, you can be set free today. And that's why you can say, Lord Jesus, I want to return to the glory and honor of my creation. Which you restored to me on Calvary's cross. I want to pray for all those who are making these decisions. Wherever you may be, I want to pray with you that the spirit of the living God will fall afresh on you. Is there anyone here this morning? Just raise your hand. I want to pray with you. Is there anyone this morning? Raise your hand. Raise it up. Raise it up well. Raise it up well. Raise it up well. Yes. Is there anyone else? Is there anyone else? Okay, because of our time, if you have your hand raised, please come. Come, let us pray. Come, let us pray. Come, just come. Stand up and come, let us pray. If the Holy Spirit is saying to you, come and join us, then stand up and come and join us. Stand up and come and join us. Come and join us. There is some truth that everybody must know. The devil knows where you are. God knows where you are. You know where you are. So there is no hiding place. If your heart is not really right with God, oh yes, God knows it. The devil also knows it. And that's why you that also know it, you should make a decision this morning and say, Lord Jesus, I want to walk in the glory of my redemption. Yes, come, come, come. Come. Don't hesitate. 
It's just someone coming. Don't, don't let the enemy keep you on your seat. Because that's the only way he can continue to rule your life. Is there someone that is coming? Okay, those of you that are here, draw nearer, draw nearer. I want you to put your right hand to your chest. And I want you to say with me, Oh Lord my God, I ask you to please forgive me all my sins. Please wash me in the blood of Jesus. Lord Jesus, please come into my heart now and be my Lord and be my Savior. I receive you now as my Lord and Savior. By your grace, I will follow you. I will love you. I will serve you until I see you in heaven. Thank you for saving me. Now I am a child of God. I will stand in that grace until I get to heaven. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Heavenly Father, breathe your very life into these ones and cause them to receive your life. That Lord, whatever may have hindered them in the past, be they in heaven or hell, on earth, beneath the earth. By the authority of the resurrected Christ, I command broken in the name of Jesus. Be delivered and released into the liberty of God's children. To love and serve your God all the days of your life. For in Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Okay, now the last, um, the last call I will make for... If for any reason you, you sense that you have been oppressed by the devil, either in your life, in your family, in your work, I'd like us to pray together so that the Spirit of God will set you loose. Is there anyone that needs prayer in that area? You can come forward and let us pray. Is there anyone? Is there anyone? Yes, come. Come, let us pray. You, you really feel you're being hindered they have been hindered, whether by ancestral connections or whatever, whatever. Jesus said you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Whatever may be hindering you, whatever may be hindering you. God wants you to walk every day in the authority of the believer. He wants you to exercise the glory of your redemption. And so, yes, come if you're coming, come quickly. Because you will make a confession. The Bible says with the heart A man believes Unto righteousness You see You have to conf confess what you believe I believe I believe You see Once you believe Then you begin to exercise The authority that is inherent In what you believe And then you will begin to ex experience victory You begin to experience victory Okay So 
Lay your right hand on your chest. And say with me, Lord Jesus, I believe with all my heart that when you went to Calvary's cross and died for my sins, you set me free from every covenant, every curse, every oppression, every ancestral connection. Lord Jesus, I receive your victory by your grace, by the power of your Holy Spirit. I will walk daily in the fullness of my redemption. Or you begin to say that to him. You know, because it has to enter your heart. It has to enter your heart. I must walk in the fullness of my redemption. You have to, you have to believe that. That redemption means you are set free from every power. Lord Jesus, I receive that word. I have been set free from every power. I have been set free. I have been set free. I receive that word. I receive that word. And by your grace, I will walk in that power, in that newness, until I get to heaven. In the name of Jesus. Okay? Lay your hand over your head as we pray. Believe God. Believe God. Because the Bible says, Whosoever the Son shall set free is what? Is free indeed. And never doubt, never doubt anymore that you've been set free. No matter what contrary evidence the devil confronts you with. That's what faith is about. Stand on that what you believe. And then everything will roll away. Everything will roll away. Remember my story. I didn't know. So they were pressing me. When I knew, I began to oppress them. When I knew, I began to oppress them. So, let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, here are your children. Each one has come to confess that hitherto they were being oppressed. But Lord Jesus, they have taken your word into their hearts. They have believed that when you rose from the dead, you brought back glory and honor for each one of them. And so Lord, I stand on the authority of Calvary. And I command every covenant, every curse, cancelled and annulled now. In the name of Jesus. Whatever handwriting is against you. Whatever judgment has been against you in the pit of hell. I command cancelled now in the name of Jesus. Lord, as many as are being oppressed by devils. I command that oppression. Broken now in the name of Jesus. Broken now in the name of Jesus. Broken now in the name of Jesus. Lord, I release these your children into the liberty of God's children. 
Be free now to love and serve your God. Be free now in the name of Jesus. Be free now in the name of Jesus. Spirit of the living God, please take them over. Every void left by fleeing devils. Fill that void in the name of Jesus. Let them walk in the glory and in the honor of their redemption. From this day forward, for in Jesus' name we pray. Now open your mouth. Confess, I am free. I am free. I am free. Glory to Jesus. Give God a gift half of him. Give God a gift half of him. And go home and walk in that liberty. That's the way it works. That's the way we are walking. And you dare everyone and anyone. Because this that God has done today is recorded in heaven. Someone praise the Lord. Father, here we are. Empower your children. Each and every one of us. That we may go into the world and shine the light everywhere. For in Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen.